Hi, I'm Lori Majors. I'm a staff writer and I play Charlie from Postmates on Obliterated. You're tuning in to Obliterated Companion. My fucking elbow exploded. Welcome back to another episode of Obliterated Companion. I'm Peter. You guys, a very special interview. I know I say it all the time, but I hear nothing but great things from the other cast members about this individual, but also the first time uh, somebody from the, the the writing team. So Lori Major joins me today. Uh, how are you doing, Missy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And this is, you're one of the first people I reached out to because um. Kimmy's the one that told me that you played Charlie. I, I had no idea because I was still learning names, you know, yeah. and I just mentioned, like, I love that character, Charlie. She's so funny, you know, and uh, to find yeah. out you're part of the writing team, it was a kind of a bonus. I love the character. You know, when the character came to life in the writer's room, she was kind of an iconic character. So when I learned that I was going to get to play her, it was a really big deal for me because we all love the idea of the Postmates delivery person who's who gets shot by the sniper. So, <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll definitely get into the, uh, how Charlie came about and, and all that good stuff. Um, I always like to go back and learn more about the person. Uh, I know you're from the Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm from New York city. <laughs> so, so, so when you, so when you say that you're, you're like hyphy culture and all of that, right. You're Bay. Oh Bay, yeah. Right? Extreme hyphy culture. I was right in high school when the hyphy movement was at its height. So, I grow strode several whips. Um, it was a big deal for me. <laughs> um, it's funny because I, I understand the reference, you know, uh, being from the Pacific Northwest, we get things a, a little bit later, uh, yeah. but, but, and some things just don't make it quite up here. Like, um, mm-hmm. like I just found out who Pilo was like earlier, I guess, 2023, like a year ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it's, I grew up, um, in the bay the whole time so i i got everything fresh <laughs> yeah i um i spent a little bit of time in stockton and a little bit of time is two summers in a row <laughs> my my mom lived there temporarily uh, she, she she was married to somebody from sacramento you know he worked in sacramento but they uh they lived in stockton for, for a time so i got step siblings from the uh nickel and dimes right that's just that's yeah what that's my Did area people still say that nickel and dimes oh, yes do <laughs> uh, I, I love that um so what what was it like for you uh growing up I, I don't i don't know um you know a lot about your upbringing or your family so like were you um always kind of into performance uh in your family yeah i was always um into performance i'm the youngest of several siblings so i was you know a little bit of a drama queen um but i started writing and performing through spoken word poetry my brother uh who went to sf state introduced me to this world of like filipino spoken word poets and also into the world of like activism and community organizing in the bay area and so i became as a teenager a competitive poet and um yeah i won some pretty big poetry slams and that's how i started with writing at all and then um after after that after a couple years of college i decided to come to la and continue pursuing writing and performing as a career and ended up in comedy 
Now, in uh, the, the poetry um, scene, or did you know Dante Basco from that, or was that through something else? Um, I knew of Dante Basco. We were like at a couple of the same parties sometimes, but like we weren't, you know, all like a lot of Filipinos are all at the same parties in the area. But um, I didn't really know him. There were a lot of other people. I was uh, involved with the organization Youth Speaks was um, how I came up in the, the poetry world when I was younger. Okay, yeah, because I know he dabbles in that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've watched a few things of his growing up, uh, even some guest appearances. And I, I think it was like on on when I saw him on Entourage, I was like, yes, he's like still around because I know him and his brothers. They also have like a production company and, yeah. and they produce movies as well. So, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, I see him at a lot of events. Um, I had a short film screen at a, like a Filipino American film festival, like special event day. Um, and I saw him there and he's, he's really involved. It's cool. Yeah. He's yeah. He, he's got a, like a vibe about him, right? Yeah. Like just, you just, you just feel good being around him with great energy. Yeah. So, so, so you were always into writing, right? Like, um, as you mentioned, like a couple years, was it after college? You said a couple years after college, yeah, well, you moved to LA. Yeah, I was going to SF State. I was uh, pursuing a degree in um, like ethnic studies and human sexuality and then, but at the same time, I was like performing at poetry slams around town. And then my mom came to one and I don't know if she was like going through something, but after I won, she's like, Lori, I think you should drop out of college and move to LA and like pursue this, like performing and writing as a career. And, you know, I come from a family of educators. So that was such a bold thing for her to say, like drop out of college, but I did it. I just listened to her. And so I left and I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, where Allison also went. We both went to the same acting school, which is really cool. Um, and then kind of stayed in the industry ever since. So that's a lot to unpack there. So your your mom's side, is that the Filipino side? And she suggested you get into the arts, not yeah, nursing, well, right? Like that's the stereotype. Yeah, I know. I know. I think maybe it's a symptom of me being like the youngest. So okay. it's like, oh, here's one that we can like throw everything at the wall with or that I was doing really well in poetry that she wanted to like nurture that. I mean, I was never going to be a nurse. Like I think, <laughs> I don't think maybe she gave up on that like super early, but um, I think she just kind of saw that i like had a flair for it and for the writing, yeah. having a life thing. I don't know. <laughs> just... See, that, that's so funny. I, I think there's something to that about being the youngest. Cause I'm the oldest. Excuse mm. me. And I just remember having it the hardest. And as like, you know, we have more and more, it's like, I get jealous. Like oh, you guys never got beat. Okay. You guys don't get yelled at, you know, things like that. But the baby um, like you, excuse me, she is 28 and um and a little over a year ago she moved to vegas and she's a bartender and doing very very well you know and so that was a big move for her because she had never really left the state and i was surprised my parents let her go i i feel i it would have been different for me maybe yeah 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 <laughs> kind of like you know they've had They've had several, <laughs> several goes by the time I came around. And I'm also the only half white one of my family. So um, 
maybe they there was something to that also just being the youngest like, being american she can make her own decision or just like she can be silly and throw her life away if she wants to and it's okay i hope it's not that <laughs> well but, it's working out so we're, we're doing <laughs> but uh what, so what's your earliest memory of of writing whether it's an uh, inspiration a project or uh, even a teacher i i know you I'm from this um, family I remember of educators. being in Young Authors Fair when I was mm. six or seven. There was like a Young Authors Fair where kids like write books um, and they, you know, are displayed at a fair. And I wrote <laughs> I wrote a book called um, Adventure in Candyland. And it was I just I was like I was at, from a young age and knew that you needed to take IP and make it work for you. And I took the, the board game Candyland, which I really liked. And just wrote a story of a girl who like goes into kind of Jumanjiing a bit, but like kind of um, finds herself in Candyland and has to escape it uh, and interacts with characters in Candyland. I really should find I like that. that. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What was there um, any stories uh, early on, whether uh, on film or that you read, also kind of um, give you any inspiration? Um, well, let's see. I, I feel like the media that I consumed was a lot of Nickelodeon. I was definitely a Nickelodeon kid and not a Disney kid. All that. You watched a lot of all that. All that. You know, Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's yes, Modern yes. Life. Um, you know, Ren and Stimpy, I tell people that's the OG SpongeBob. It looks exactly it really the same. It is. It's, mm-hmm. it's def- and the sense of humor, it's like a bit mm-hmm. dark and surreal. And, um, you know, adults can laugh at it for different reasons than kids can. It's, I love it. Rocco also was that way too. Um, but yeah, I, like I that feel era. I might have, I might have missed the Rocco train because oh, I, yeah. I feel Rugrats might have been like my last, you know, oh, like yeah. animated Rugrats, stuff. From, yeah. Rugrats was yeah. like the goat, right? Like, they R- had like Rugrats. three, three amazing movies. Oh, I mean, whenever it was like you pick Nicktoons, it would always uh, be Rugrats. Always yeah. Rugrats yeah. be like- um, but yeah, I feel like that was. A lot of a lot of that um, inspired probably why I ended up in the style of comedy that I like to write, which is you know like pretty. Cool. I could yeah yeah no uh, there, there's um that makes not that uh, it didn't make sense but um I can see some of those colors in some of the things I've seen okay so let's go through those right. Okay. One of the things, uh, one of the okay, the the first thing I watched, and um, I I wished I had gotten a second watch in because it definitely went over my head in a sense where I had to really think about what what um what 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 the narrative was, and that was grief. Oh wow, my only dramatic thing I've ever made. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. So so again, I watched it at one time, holding mm-hmm. laundry, watching my nephew. Okay, so what it seemed like. It started off uh, in a brief, like a counseling meeting, and your character's name is Grace. Mm-hmm. Grace, and so she lost her family in in a car accident, and uh, I think it was a car accident. She she lost her family, and she comes home, uh, escort. No, nope. I, I, I I'm I, I I don't know so. And I just feel like she's numb, right? Like there's a lot of numbness because of her loss and whatever it is she's doing is going to get, you know, like she's just trying to get by. I'm reading your, like the, like reading your face. Oh, I'm like, oh, so wait, I, I think, should shut oh, up. You know, there's this scene in the middle where she takes off a wig, right? Or right. a disguise. Yes. 
So um, this is my, the first like short film that I've ever made is like trying to make a short film as a writer director. I'm really proud of it. But uh, the narrative that I was um, trying to get across is that she uh, actually is lying to the grief group that her family is dead and her family oh. is actually alive and well. And she lies to her family that she's going to a grief group to pretend that they all died. Oh, okay. See, that's why I wanted to watch it again <laughs> because like it wasn't 100 spin and, and, and you guys clear. that are like sitting at home like Ooh, this guy. I it, it's it's um it's under five minutes, right? And so again, when I'm like I, I'm trying to like do my Lori research, I'm trying to get some things in. So what I thought I thought what was happening was that she was going to this grief group, and uh and and that she had lost her family. That 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 those. That that that's what she wishes was still going on is is seeing her husband and boys, and and she's still living out her life, I doing see. whatever you know now what? because like, she's thinking back on it. That is a completely valid takeaway from the from the short film. I don't explain you know explicitly that this is what I intended, but it was kind of one of those short films that I just wanted to like drop a premise and you know deliver some dramatic monologues and uh see how a concept plays out and exercise filmmaking um but yeah it's crazy i don't make stuff like that anymore because it's just so dramatic it's not funny at all <laughs> no but but your explanation of what that narrative actually was like okay well that's funny you know because yeah. like the, the serious yeah. tone like i thought it was straight serious serious i'm like Oh, like she wishes like her kids and her husband was still here and that's what they're doing because she's well, just like sitting over by the couch, you know, so. I know, like, she's a sociopath. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so even though I didn't get the concept, I enjoyed my watch. Yes, I'm glad. I thought it was well done, well lit. And the, the um the, you know, the, the two actors that it, it starts off with, like they, they committed, you know, and yeah. especially the gentleman that got is super emotional. Yeah, um, he was from with, Buffy, the vampire slayer. That was, okay, see, so I saw I saw his name in the credits. And it, I wasn't looking at his face. Yeah, he's amazing. Spike, right? Spike, yeah. Right. James Masters. He was um it was so cool of him to uh, agree to be in that. And he was such an amazing actor and he was such a gentleman on the day. It was good. I was just glancing over. I was like, Well, that's not her, something folding clothes, right? I'm just listening. <laughs> I was just like, Well, he's killing it. You know, I'm watching it on my phone. Um the other one I saw. Let, let me get this one out of the way because it is a short one. Uh, oh, okay, hold on. Let me let me get the title correct. It's um, uh, woke wanks. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So yeah. funny. That was um a little sketch that I filmed for. I was a member of the CBS diversity showcase in 2020 uh -huh. and we, right when we kind of like entered the industry, COVID hit. So we like kind of as an experiment self filmed like a second showcase to just send out to people that they could watch in their homes. And that was my sketch. It's a phone sex operators for feminist men. <laughs> yeah. That's the funny thing. He opens up with that on the phone call. Like, yeah, yeah. I forget the dialogue, but he wants to let her know I'm, I'm a feminist, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, super hilarious. And uh, cause, cause I was going um, through your page, your website, and I saw a lot of the links. So I was like, well, if shit, if I've had the time, I want to watch them all. And then I was just like, mm, all, all the red drew me to that video. I just, I just tap on this one. And then like the dudes in bed, oh. I'm like, Oh, what's going on here <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. super hilarious i loved it 
Um, and then the other uh, one that I watched was the one that you did for Ro- Roku, uh, the, uh, the the new you. New you, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's wow. Um, <laughs> she's new you is very scary. I I love her in the beginning. You know, she, you know, like there's that beat that you take. Um, where like, you want to say anything about me or you, whatever yeah, that, yeah, the line yeah. was. I was just like, oh, she's really like nailing it. Like I I pick up on those little little things um can you talk about like uh a new you and that character and uh, just the whole project i thought it was very very interesting and people it should definitely really check it out cool. it was from an initiative uh for like up and coming creators that roku did um and it it's like highlighting shorts from uh people during different seasons and so i was in the halloween season so i pitched them some horror ideas and this one was um, you know, um, a woman gets an exercise mirror, like those, you know, mirrors that show oh, your- episode 106 obliterated, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. So in the new you, um, a woman gets an exercise mirror and the mirror um, kind of tries to take over her life and uh, and like eventually tries to, you know, like steal her away into the mirror world. You know, it's hilarious because I was also watching it with the lens of like, oh, that's like AI taking over a writer's life. Like she wants to consume like all yeah. that. So I don't know if there was any of that in uh, subliminally. I mean, yeah, there's definitely some commentary about technology. There's commentary about fitness culture and diet culture. <laughs> and like, you know, um, all of that stuff, like, you know, gendered beauty norms. A lot of, lot of commentary for how silly of a Halloween like yeah. uh, it was so fun to make. Also worked with the Filipino DP and director Tess Paras and Mike Molly Nowag. So it was really cool that I got to pick my cat, my crew on that. Oh, well, shout outs to them. Yeah, I um, you know, for for those that are interested, I'll, I'll definitely link that in in the on the YouTube video yeah. so people can check that out. I thought, uh, oh, it, it, it should. You should be at the very least, I'll link your website. You know, with yeah, with all it's your... available on Roku. It's you know. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, right. I'm, I don't. I'm. I'm an old head, as a kid say. So, I wouldn't even know. But that's cool that that Roku does that stuff. I mean, when yeah. uh, the movie Weird, you know, our Zach and Leo composers, when they, when they wow. announced that they were working on that project, I'm like, what the a Roku channel? That's going to be free. I they're they're starting to come up. They're starting to do some they things are. for people. I had such a great experience working with them. It's that's cool. so awesome. So awesome. Um, so how do you? Uh, so with everything that you've done, how does that? land you with counterbalance entertainment for obliterated um well so uh like i said i was um a member of the cbs diversity showcase so i've kind of uh i've done my fair share of you know like fellowships and showcases and one of the writing fellowships that i uh participated in is a sony diverse writers program Mm -hmm. and um through that program um after we were done with it i kind of was just like Dina, who works at Counterbalance, she was one of the speakers that we heard for our program and she kind of mentioned Obliterated. So after the program was over, I reached out to her and, um, you know, kind of talked to her about stuff. And after a few more meetings, uh, I was working on Obliterated. So, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Through a Sony Writers Fellowship. Yeah, so so there's there was an opportunity and kind of like answering uh, like a a job. um, What are they called? I've been with the same company for too long. I kind of forget what they're called now. Uh, you know, just like when you're applying for a job, uh, it's just one of the, one of those things. Because like I, I have heard stories where like, um, for example, Bob Dearden on Cobra Kai, like uh, he uh, he was suggested. 
And, and obliterated, yes. Um, I, I guess I should have led with that. I just assumed, uh, you know, the <laughs> obliterated companion listeners knew that. But uh, when I interviewed him, he told me that, uh, like, um, like him, and I don't know if it was John specifically, but, you know, John Josh and Aiden, like, uh, they were looking for a new writer and somebody they asked for said, oh, I, I, you know, like, Bob's great. He did uh, I, uh, I Zombie, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. And so that's how he ended up. So I wasn't sure if you were also kind of like, hey, Lori, Lori's pretty great. But I mean, I don't know what I'm sure that all of their conversations consisted of the sentence. Lori's great. behind yeah. closed doors. But um, yeah, I I came to know Dina through that fellowship. And that's awesome. So, yeah. so so with the writer's room, um, this was the first season. Can you share like uh, what? what the early stages were and actually let's start with this um, as a staff writer what what are your duties as a staff writer versus like a regular writer for the casual folk like me um well i'm a writer just like everybody else there's different like levels of writer based on seniority and, and experience mm-hmm. um but we all kind of function as the same in the room like when we're coming up with stuff i i definitely have um, you know, the uh, lower status position in that I'm not running the conversation or anything when it happens, but we, it was a very like egalitarian setting and we were all I put on a pretty level playing field when it came to um, coming up with jokes and pitches and storylines and everything together. Um, so I was just kind of like one of the group that okay. um, was doing that. It's, I definitely learned a lot more than other people that have had more experience than me. Um, but it was uh, I've been uh, an assistant in many writers' rooms before, so um, I wasn't like brand new to the world or anything. So it was a little bit easier for me to slip in in that position. The way I understood it for the Cobra Kai writers' um, room, uh, often we hear like, "Oh, like the best idea wins," kind of thing. Did they kind of do that with this um, um, room as well? Uh, yeah, you know, with the I think they because the show didn't like. It, it, the concept of it existed well before, like, you know, it came to Netflix and became what you saw. Um, so I think that there was already a lot of groundwork laid by the time, like, I was added to the room. So there were, it was not as blue sky as some of the things that would happen in, like, other situations or, like, you know, subsequent seasons of existing shows. It's, you know, really high stakes when you have a first season and John, Josh and Hayden really knew where they were going with it. So it was, um, to me, felt more like, you know, filling in the color and like the variables really within their existing framework. So with everything that they had already conceptualized with the show and the narrative, what were some of the early stuff you can remember that you guys were still ironing out uh, pre-production. Um, I mean, you know, the okay. later parts of the season. <laughs> um, I okay. feel like you know, the first, the pilot was really solid from, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's just like the premise is just perfect and amazing and we all are so obsessed with it. Um, but, you know, figuring out where everything was going to end up, I think was a lot of the work. And uh, what about when it came to the obstacles that the team would encounter, something like a Postmate driver, um, you know, the, the diner, the Elvis. So, like, uh, 
you, do you guys have to sit there and, and like what, what else could uh, people run into um, in uh, in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, it was a constant pitching of things that they could run into. But also we, you know, each character kind of has their own little thing and their own little thing that they have to overcome their own arc that they're following as the team has their larger, you know, obstacle that they're trying to overcome. So, you know, like with Trunk, for example, in the Postmates thing, it's like how many different ways can we put food in front of him and take it away, you know? Uh, So it's a little bit more pointed than just like, what's a difficult thing that could happen because all of the characters have their own individual, you know, battles that they're having with their respective substances and, you know, bodily functions that they're battling. Now, in, uh, in, in terms of like the voice for a certain character that was all pretty collaborative or was there um, maybe like a, a specific writers that, that you guys would kind of look to for specific character? Does that make sense? Um, sure. I think it was, I think it was pretty collaborative. Um, and also like John, Josh and Hayden just really gave us a, a strong, you know, like a guiding light through all of it. And we, we were able to, like I feel like I knew who the the characters were as we were walking along with them from an early point. So um yeah, I don't I don't think that there was any like one person dedicated to one character or anything like that. It it felt like a a, a group effort for all of them. Now do you uh remember anything that um you know like uh, any of the discussions that came up where something was like a really great idea and um, like the audience members, we didn't get a chance to see it, whether it was written, just not filmed or an idea that just was a great idea, but for whatever reason, didn't make it into like a pass. Oh man. I mean, there's uh, a million, like there's only so many (laughs) more minutes in um, a TV show uh, that you can get in. Uh, Look, if it was me, I would have put 30 more minutes of Charlie Postmates in there. So. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really funny, too. Just um, <laughs> have, like just eating and driving along. You yeah, know? just it continues, just shot over and over by that. Would be great. <laughs> yeah, she was a good one. Of the surprise. And then episode seven, was it where we have kind of the wonder in the hospital, the ER? Yeah, that yeah. was so fun to get to do that. Yeah, was- to see a little return there. Um, yeah. Did you guys uh, also kind of have like cards with certain beats that was constantly moving from like one episode to another kind of thing? Yep. Yeah. So, totally. Yeah. It, so, how did you guys kind of orchestrate that, uh, like the m- movements of locations? I mean, it's just everything kind of moved up until the last minute, you know, like things like we're breaking um, episode five while episode three is in its first draft you know like it's it's everything is moving and you know the the guys john josh and hayden when we were in our writer's room were also working on post for cobra kai so like there was a lot of like you know we'll get ahead in one way and then find an issue that needs to be fixed and come back when this is in every tv show you know that things are constantly moving i've of all of the shows that I've worked on, even as an assistant, I've never been in one where like <laughs> the first time you break the season, it stays, everything stays in the same episode. It's just right. like impossibility unless you, you know, you got not even if you just got one person writing the whole thing, it's, it never stays the same. Certain things yeah. take longer. You come up with 
fun ideas that you need to move things around for. There's a, a hundred million things that can make things move. Like I, I kind of want to, well, wanted to give like the audience like a, like an idea of what how chaotic a writer's room can be because we we hear um, like on the Cobra Kai side all the time like oh yeah we ran out of time so that didn't happen or we ran out of time and so we had to abbreviate the scene you know and, and things like that. Um, uh, let me see where do i want to go from so one of the unique things about um obliterated release there was first the writer strike and then we had the actor strike and i know you guys wrapped up um was it two novembers ago or was it december yeah november well i was done in november so some either late november early december yeah and the writer strike was july no june May. end of end of june may may so earlier so i can even may and so did that how did, did that affect so the writer's right did that affect anything in terms no, of like it the, was we were already done um filming and like well into post-production so um it i don't i don't think i mean i wasn't as a staff writer i'm not like involved in the process as closely anymore at that point so i can't speak okay. to it perfectly so, yeah, so it was just the, the but actors I don't think who that there was a big promote. issue. Yeah, yeah. promoting promoting um, during the SAG strike, I think, was one of right. the big, big. Yeah, the big no-nos. Yeah, so it's because uh, I'm trying to figure out, like, um, you know, I, I, that, that was one thing I definitely kept a pulse on was like, oh wow, the the actors they they can't really share anything. So like, whatever I can do to help, um, that's that's what I was trying to do. Just, just create yeah. little graphics here, there with a the little. Know. A little bit that was I out there. I couldn't share anything because I'm Charlie. I couldn't share anything. I'm in the union. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm in the show just for a little moment, but I can't even share it as a writer. Right. So it was like oh. really hard. <laughs> so that was kind of, and I wonder. Well, I don't know if Joe Purelli if that affected him either. He, he ended up sharing some things, but I think that was also after the show came out as well. But yeah, um, yeah, he has some really cool photos, but also just like his little I cameo. I didn't even recognize. Him. I love Joe. <laughs> so cool to see yeah you know i was um you know because like i got the screener so early and so like i was like kind of going back and forth with john a little bit i was like hey i recognize courtney and he was like did you recognize anyone else and i was like no i had to go back and i'm like is that joe really looks like him i know with his hair all slicked back uh i think you should keep the look i'm into it yeah <laughs> i like it yeah you know maybe even the the, the skull right like some sort of skull design yeah. prints yeah. you know yeah, we'll we'll call Frank, and I'm sure the joke can get a. Get I'm a, sure, yeah, a Frank version of it. Got all that stuff in a drawer somewhere for him. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Charlie, you kind of like uh, mentioned it a little bit. So that character was already there. When did they decide? Hey, Lori can do it. Or how did that? Um, come out? You know, actually, um, when I was submitted to write for the show, um my reps also sent along um, my character reel with my submission. Um, and I didn't know they did that. So when we interviewed, when I interviewed with John, Josh and Hayden for the, for the job writing, um, John was like, I'm obsessed with your character reel. And I had no idea that he had like watched it or even seen it. And he was just really into it. And um, was just like, I love you as a performer, like as um, I was interviewing to be a writer for the show. So he kind of, he told me that I would be able to, and in some capacity, be on it. So I knew from an early 
stage that I would probably be able to be in the show somehow um, because John was just so effusive about how funny he thought my character reel was. It's on my website too. You can check it out. (laughs) I will. um, Yeah. There's a character called Big Queefer that he's just, he's really into. (laughs) He really likes that character. That sounds Um, like something John would like. Yeah. Uh, So, and then like, as we were writing like this character, I believe, I believe Hayden pitched that like the Postmates person would get shot through the elbow. And we thought it was like such a huge move that we weren't sure that if it was going to, you know, stay um, because it was, it just kind of seemed like this like fun joke that we had, Um, but it stayed and it became like this, like very fun running gag about this, you know, Postmates delivery person whose arm explodes and it stayed in through the end and that I ended up, they called me and told me I would be able to be Charlie Postmates. I was so thrilled. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm so happy to play that character. Now, um, we, we, um, I know this about John, Josh and Hayden and, um, and kind of like their writing style, but they have a backstory for every single character that they introduce. Um, were you, that was any of that shared with you or did you come up with your own backstory for Charlie? Um, I think that, you know in my uh, preparation process for the acting i t- came up with uh, a little bit myself but i feel like we all were on the same page about who she was um as as a person you know like what her vibe was the stoner energy the person that eats your food that's <laughs> delivering your food i feel like we were all on the same page about that and that came from them for sure yeah i just uh, knock on wood i i have never experienced um a, a, a delivery driver like that. So that I'm, you I'm, know I'm of, you, they you could know, be well, everything comes it. sealed. No, <laughs> like I, I, we we kind of check. Like have the bags been open? You know, I but, see. I think they all do it. <laughs> it it's, it's better to think that way, right? It. Huh? It's better to think that way, right? That they all do it. So if oh, they I don't, it's a bonus. Server, and I would like take a fry every now and then. You know, like it doesn't. I don't touch the rest of their food. Yeah. yeah, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, I I just uh, love love your delivery. Did you um give? Was that all on paper, or did you were you given like d- different uh, lines to kind of try? Uh, um, during the phone call was all on paper. Um, uh, once I got shot, it was just kind of you know uh just you know go for it um see what comes to you uh imagine that you were just shot by a gun so uh that was a little bit looser but um yeah the phone phone call is definitely to script and we did a lot of an adr actually which is uh, it's loud yeah it's loud and we were on fremont street and fremont street wasn't shut down or anything so uh, that was a really cool experience to do that i had never done it on on that scale I, I I do wonder like what what else could the Charlie had um shouted out you know with a reaction like that just because like her reaction obviously yeah. so for for me it's like oh it's it, it, obviously it's 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 comedic it, it's, it's shitty what happens to to her you know no one deserves that yeah. but like uh, like a reaction like that it makes me think of all the di- different takes Steve Carell did for Forty Year Old Virgin you know and oh you know, yeah they're ripping oh, off I mean, the if hair we could, ever, if we could get a hold of them, it did you know. have a lot of reactions that hit the cutting room floor <laughs> like there's a lot of footage of just me screaming and cursing and you know not understanding what happened because i didn't see myself get shot like all of a sudden i just was shot so i just thought that somehow my elbow exploded out of nowhere <laughs> kind right. of like you know, 
in Forrest Gump when he gets shot in the butt and he's like, something oh. bit me. Like, <laughs> you don't know where it came from. Yeah, that's a that's a great reference. Um, now, <laughs> and then episode seven, The Wonder, can you talk about that in the writer's room and also filming that sequence? Um. Yeah, well, actually, that was written after the, I think, I believe, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think that, um, because that was written by Rachel, who I'm very close with, and I believe that that scene was added, like, after the room wrapped, Mm. uh, that honor, and uh, filming it was so cool, because John was directing me, and, you know, like, I just, I love John so much, and he's a, was a really cool director. And we filmed that before we filmed the um, Fremont Street scene. So this was my first time on set was um, for that scene. And it was just so fun and great. And there were so many moving parts. And it's a one or so, you know, you can't really mess up. And I had the first line in it. But because it was a one or and they're filming, like, I didn't have, I had to, like, cue myself a little bit, kind of. So it was kind of a lot of pressure um, not to not mess up. But, um, you know, John was like really uh, great in directing me and supportive. And it was such a fun day. And Kyle got to be in that scene as the um, the oh, gimp. The uh, Kyle C. I forget his. Uh, yeah. He, okay. uh, he Kyle Savale. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he was yeah assistant on the show and in Cobra Kai now. Right. And, we both got to be in that scene together. So that was I'll, really I'll have to go back and watch. I, I had no idea who was I in there. Like, he's the guy in the gimp mask who has the champagne bottle stuck in his butt. And they roll him across in the beginning of the, the scene. I remember that part. I didn't know that was him. I, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I, um, I I know Kyle because I had to correspond with him for, I think, my last interview with John Josh and Hayden before, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, before ob- ob- Obliterated started going to promotions and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, um, he was- so, and, and that, his sequence, that, that was his first appearance, right? So the bottle was, we hadn't seen that before, that character. Um, That character is uh in the orgy. Okay. Kyle was in the yeah. orgy. Uh-huh. Kyle was in the orgy scene Kyle was also? in the cage. He wasn't one of the people. Um, oh, and the cage guy had a yeah, mask. Yeah, the guy in the mask in the cage, yeah. And then he um, ends up in the hospital with the champagne it's bottle. All, it's all coming it's together. All coming together. Very <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene, yeah, I just remember Joel like, sharing, you know, doing the research for it, and now he's getting, like, all these recommendations. <laughs> well, yeah, he looked yeah. this up before. <laughs> right. Okay, so he was in just uh, Fuckfest. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Is what it was called. Yeah, that they really went for it with that. I was excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's Vegas. It's Vegas. Like you know, the the um nothing really surprised me. I feel like I've been around a lot of that stuff, minus the uh, skittles. You know, never had a camel at any of my parties, but very similar things I have witnessed in in. Yeah. one way or another you know in, in my time in service yeah cool um now do you is, is there anything that the audience members did not get to see that was filmed that you can remember that was filmed um i mean uh, like a whole bunch of charlie screaming on the floor with taco bell <laughs> was um what i what i remember uh you know i was only there for the short bits that I was um, on screen, but 
I did a whole lot of screaming. I remember it was like really late and really cold. And I just screamed a lot. I was on the floor with Taco Bell and blood all over me in the middle of, uh, in the middle of Fremont street. So a lot of that. I guess the, um, I guess the other thing I forget that not every writer is actually on set. No, right? no, so, not every writer is yeah. on set. Um, yeah. That's one other thing about like the levels uh, in the writer room is that you get to a certain producer level where once you're at that level, then you also produce your own episode on set. So if you're not at that level yet, there's, you know, several levels, but. Um, I got you. Okay. Yeah, okay. But that, there that, in the new WGA contract that um, really support the idea of writers being able to be on set oh yeah no i uh we 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 did uh an episode watch party he is he reads up on all of that stuff and um we i I believe we did a cobra kai episode where we kind of talked about the things like the studios wanted with the writers and it it it, it, it's like they didn't want a writer's room right and and like and with ai they just wanted somebody to punch up an ai script and give that person the credit yeah that's why it was so cool that they cast me um, in these two episodes because I wouldn't have been able to be on set at all um, if not for that. So I really got just a great experience for my first room to be right. my first role and my first room all packaged in the same thing. It was just, it was a dream. Yeah. And and so I, I think that's really cool that they want to fight to have more writers to be able to be on set. And yeah. so, um, and can you talk about like, how that can uh, benefit like the career of a writer because yeah, the studios, they wanted to basically yeah. break down well, that I mean, format. It's really important. I mean, the, at the top of the writer's room is a showrunner and then a, a showrunner's job is, it's not just writing. It's really all hats. You're, you're running everything. And if we don't get experience on set as low and mid-level writers, then we won't have that like hands-on onset training to know how to excel and get to the next level in our careers. And then, you know, eventually there will be no more new, like ready to go showrunners because we will have been kind of like gate kept out of doing those um, more production level parts of the job. So I think learning how to be on set and how the set works and what your responsibilities are as a writer on set and a producer writer on set for your episode is it's like so important just to the trajectory of a career as a TV writer, you know? I know. And and I know I'm just like one guy, but like, I don't work in the industry. Even to me, that sounds stupid. You know, like I, I often select, <laughs> I often select what I want to binge and watch and all that stuff based uh, on the writers, you know, because yeah, you can give me uh, somebody great to, to read those words, but if the words are shit, you, you, you're just sugarcoating shit. Yeah. And it's not just the words, like it's the, what happens. It's everything yeah. like um, somebody in a WGA meeting said this and it really stuck with me. It was like um, the writers are the only part of the whole process of making film and TV who makes something from nothing. <laughs> like every single other person in the process has something to go on. The writers are the only people that, start with zero and then take the first step to making it become something after that everybody has source material you know exactly all all the famous directors it's it's off of a script that most of them didn't write and if they wrote it hello (laughs) yeah they're writers (laughs) again like you know i only graduated high school and even i know (laughs) 
like but but you know and and i guess that's why like i enjoy um doing the episode reviews you know because and and with um obliterated each episode's an hour so it gives uh the the dialogue to breathe stuff like that but a show like cobra kai 30 minutes you got to be very deliberate with what you want to say and, yeah. and and all that you know yeah, and so are so much harder because of how economical you have to be with the storytelling with the writing and then you have to be funny on top of it right. it's just it's really it's a feat that comedy yeah. writers <laughs> achieve <laughs> and so when i was um I guess starting off with grief, you know, as like the first thing to watch and I was like, Oh, so dramatic. I go, and like, and I know the comedy and dra- uh, drama, they go hand in hand. It's, it's, it's about making people feel. And right. uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, comedy is just drama with jokes in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. In dark comedy. It's just, you know, it just, you know, like, um, no, I don't want to misquote anybody, but yeah, it, it's just the, the whole ordeal. I, I'm just, I'm just glad, you know, a fair, um, uh, you know, what were they called? Like uh, all the, a, a fair agreement was reached, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know, definitely, we're working towards. Like, yeah, absolutely, and it was definitely um, you know, it it it's, it seemed like it went a little bit smoother than the actors because like all the AI stuff with their you know appearance and all that that's that's starting to get a little muddy. Well, you know, uh, did it first. Like our contract is up first, so right. we like you know, just like with writing, we had to start from right. nothing. <laughs> the, the directors, they just kind of like came and went. That was real quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, now I, I went over some of the uh, the projects that we uh, or that that you've done, uh, written, directed. Uh, is there anything else that uh, is kind of in the works that people can? And I keep an eye out for it. And then oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm constantly making short films. I'm filming one this weekend, actually, that I'm really excited about. It's going to be called Knife Block. A um, little bit of a, a horror comedy, kind of. Um, and uh, let's see. I might I may be writing a book <laughs> sometime soon. Um, well, you know, I've got a hundred things in the works and I'm not sure which of them will be ready first or anything. I'm writing a solo show about this time. I dated a guy in prison for a couple of years. There's a lot of stuff I've got going on, but, um, I'll definitely Sounds let like you know it. on my website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I was just like, wow, she had all these videos. I just kept on scrolling. I was like, there's a lot yeah. to go through it. So like, I, you know, um, I'm gonna, you know, if I need to pick me up. And, yeah, and a lot of them were short form too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I, I love it. Um, is anything else you could think of uh, obliterated that we haven't gone over? Um, anything uh, story wise uh, uh, on the day of filming? Anything like that? Anything wild? Um, anything wild? Nothing incriminating. Uh, yeah. Everything wild I have to say is incriminating, so I'll just uh, probably refrain. <laughs> Even at that, everything, everything was all left at uh, Jeff's uh, uh, hotel room and right. you know, all, that, all, all the all the debauchery. All right, well, uh, Lori, I, I want to thank you so much for uh, giving yeah, me your time. Sure. Yeah, it, absolutely. And where can uh, people find you if uh, they want to check out? you know, your posts, because, you know, you obviously promote your own stuff, but, you know, just your content. www.loriemajors.com <laughs> you know? Yeah. I so am uh, across all social media, too. Just my name. <laughs> I'm good, I'm feeling
This has been a production of the Companion Network.